welcome to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast with your host, Seth Wolkoff. Welcome into the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Seth Woolcock. You can find me on the Twitter at DFF underscore Seth W. What a fun time in the fantasy football regular season. Week three in the rear view. Week four coming at you real quick. Such a fun time for you folks. Trades are firing. The waiver wire is a buzz. It's a great time to be a fantasy football fan and an even better time to be a fantasy football podcaster. Here on episode 5, I got some new guests coming your way for some Around the League with Chris Udovich making his NFL Fantasy debut and an old friend from Bottomline Fantasy, Andrew Pearson. We're going to bring it on home with some Start Sitting Seth afterwards and round out the show with another edition of In the Scope. It's going to be a lot of fun, so why don't we jump on into it? This is Around the League. Brought to you by Heads Up Unisex Hair Gallery. Heads Up, a friendly unisex hair care business for shape-ups, haircuts, hairstyles, part designs, hair colorings, facials, and razor shaves. They specialize in all hair textures. Heads Up's friendly environment welcomes locals college students and travelers alike to socialize and get to know each other and experience some great service and fun activities while you wait for a chair to open up. Don't cheat yourself. Treat yourself at Heads Up Unisex Hair Gallery. And welcome back to the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm joined by former bottom line fantasy football co-host Andrew Pearson and a good friend of the show making his fantasy analyst debut on the in-between fantasy football Chris Udovich how we doing today gentlemen pretty good but how are you doing doing just fine awesome awesome I'm happy uh week three in the bag week four is on the horizon kind of been a crazy week in the NFL some big news to get to so I'm ready to jump into it what about you guys yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready to go. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I want to start with probably the biggest headline of the week. Daniel Jones, in his first NFL start, he comes in, throws for 336 yards, two passing touchdowns, adds 28 rushing yards, and two touchdowns with his legs. Gentlemen, where do you think Daniel Jones goes from here, especially now Saquon Barkley, probably the number one pick in most redraft leagues? is out for four to eight weeks. Where do we see Daniel Jones going from here? And where do we see the pass catchers in this Giants offense, specifically Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, and Golden Tate? And what do you see for Wayne Gallman as well going forward? So uh, I'll start off by saying I think Daniel Jones, uh, he obviously had a great game. I don't know if you want to completely read into what he did too much. I mean, had two rushing touchdowns. I don't see that happening again all year. And he was playing a Bucks defense who really isn't the best. It was a high-scoring game. But, I mean, I could see him having value for sure. Yeah, I think with, like, Ingram, Shepard, and Tate when he comes back for uh, week five after his four-week suspension, I think they kind of get an uptick because Eli, Eli's been on the downcline for the past couple of years. And I think 
Daniel Jones really gave him a shining light, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We saw one of the better games I think we've seen in a while from Sterling Shepard. It was kind of phenomenal, honestly. He looked kind of reborn. Uh, It was nice to see that. And Wayne Gallman comes in. He relieves Saquon after Saquon goes out with a high ankle sprain. He's supposed to miss somewhere between four to eight weeks. What do you do if you're a Saquon owner? Are you scrambling to the waiver wire, the free agency? Are you adding Wayne Gallman? I would probably try to add him. I don't think he's going to be anything special, though. If I was a Saquon owner, um, if I had hopes of making the playoffs, if I thought my team could make playoffs with Saquon on my bench, I wouldn't worry about trying to move him. But if I was I was struggling, I had a losing record right now, I didn't have backup running backs, I mean, I would be doing my best to move Saquon to hopefully give myself a chance later in the year. I mean, yeah, if you need a running back, I would say pick him up. But in the time that he's been with the Giants, he's made two starts. In 17, he had 10 rushes for 18 yards, and that was at Arizona. And then in 2018, he had four rushes for 17 yards. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like the, doesn't seem like the Giants like Wayne Gallman too much. Or it doesn't seem like he produces too much either. So Yeah, I think he's just a guy you know, amongst many here in the NFL. There's also news coming out that Jay Jai is likely to join the team as well. Is anyone scrambling to the wire to grab Jay Jai here? Personally, no. It's a no from me. I, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. If you're in a deeper league and you need a flyer, then yes. But if you're in like a 12-team, 10-team, I'd shy away. Especially, especially PPR, I feel like Jay Jai doesn't add much in that category especially I think J.J. is irrelevant here after six to eight weeks. Yeah, J.J. is more of like a downhill runner. He's not more of a pass catcher out of the backfield. I don't see the Giants running the ball a lot, honestly, without Saquon. I could see them. I mean, they have nothing to lose coming off some rough years. Putting a rookie quarterback in there, I could see them throwing the ball at least 30 times a game for the rest of the season, you know? Certainly, certainly. In other news here, gentlemen, Antonio Brown was released by the Patriots on Friday after Kind of a grimacing series of text messages were put out to the public and kind of went on this Twitter rampage afterwards, but we're not going to really discuss that. We're going to stick to fantasy implications here. If you're in a, let's say, 12-team PPR, are you dropping Antonio Brown this season? Redraft. Um, so for me personally, I've, I have not been a fan of Antonio Brown all year, all offseason. So it's hard for me to say that he would even be on my team, but... I guess if he's on your team, maybe if you can shop a trade. But it's, it's honestly a risk. Risk, maybe reward. Maybe some team goes after him. And, I mean, you know he has all the talent in the world. It's just it's, something's wrong in his head, I would say. I think you, if you have a roster spot that you need, I would say do it. But if not, and you want to take the chance that he comes back, then I'd hold on to him. I definitely think those viewpoints are valid from both sides. Now, what does this do for the rest of the New England wide receiving core? And do you think this helps Sonny Michelle in that struggling running game at all as well? I think the wide receivers, you have Edelman, who's been solid year after year. Nothing changes there. Josh Gordon, um, maybe his stock went down a little bit when they signed Antonio Brown. I think it'll go up. But uh, me personally, I have my eyes on James White and Philip Dorsett. I think Dorsett could be a great player. He's shown a lot of talent. And last, last week without AB, he actually had eight touches, which is a decent amount for a third wide receiver on the team. So I have my eyes on those two. 
I think after this last game with James Devlin going down, I think it's a downtick for Sony Michelle because he was a good blocker, and I think it's going to open the doors for more of a James White and Burkhead-type run game. See, my issue here with the entire New England run game and kind of their offense in a way, I feel like they're kind of mimicking that Sean McVay offense from last season. They don't have a Gronk anymore. Matt LaCrosse is banged up a little bit. Ben Watson still isn't back from suspension. So they don't really have a tight end. They're going more with that three wide receiver look more often than last season. But I think where Sony struggles this season is they're not even attempting to get him in the pass game. So it's almost like a Derrick Henry or a Mike Gillisey situation from a couple years ago where if they're in the game, they're going to stack the box because they know they're not going to throw it. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. I'd say Michelle is very touchdown dependent. And I, although he might have skill in the passing game, I mean, why would the Patriots give him looks when they have James White and Rex Burkhead, who are two of the best pass catcher running backs uh, that the NFL has seen through the past few years. I remember watching him and Chubb at Georgia, and Michelle made some pretty decent catches back in the day, so it'll be interesting to see how that situation kind of plays out for the Patriots gang out there. Yeah, and I completely agree with I see the Patriots uh, having sort of a, a college-type offense where you, you're almost five wide or four wide in, in the shotgun with one running back back there and playing a lot of side-to-side screen passes, wide receiver runs, and just a lot of short dink and dunk passes like they always do. And you know Tom Brady can do all that. Certainly, yeah. Sony Michelle, to me, I think he's an interesting buy low candidate. I just traded for him in our keg league. You guys, you gentlemen know that. So I don't know. I'm excited to see what could happen. It could totally be a bust or it could be one of the better buy lows of the season. I guess we'll figure it out, though. Yeah, I mean, if you if you buy anybody low, it can't be too bad. As long as you don't give up too much for him. And I, I mean, that's what fantasy football is all about, making the the big risks that you take, hoping some of them pan out for you. Absolutely. We kind of talk about that a little bit later in the show when I talk about this week's Start Sitting Seth column, so make sure you stick around for that. I want to move forward here to the Carolina Panthers. It was kind of a strange game. Kyle Allen takes over for the injured Cam Newton. We learned today that he is diagnosed with a Liz Frank injury. Maybe a little concern there. But it was a big game from the Panthers, the Panthers' offensive weapons as well. CMC, Christian McCaffrey, ran on 24 carries for 153 yards and a tud. And your boy DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel delivered. Samuels had five receptions, 53 yards, and a tud. DJ Moore, only one reception, but he had 52 yards and a tud as well. Boys, where do we see these pass-catching options as well as the backfield moving forward for the Panthers? And... Do you like Kyle Allen as maybe some type of streaming option moving forward here? I think Kyle Allen is sort of Daniel Jones spotlight. I mean, if he has the right matchup, you start him. If he has the if he has the wrong matchup, you sit him on your bench or you leave him on the waivers. But for me, the most intriguing player, I think, is Greg Olson. I see a lot of young, inexperienced quarterbacks love looking to their tight ends. And Greg Olson, I mean, he's been reliable for years. If he stays away from injuries, he's one of the best in the game. So... I think Greg Olson gets an uptick moving forward. Yeah, he had six receptions, 75 yards, and two touchdowns as well. That was going up against an Arizona defense that is the worst against the opposing tight end, so keep that in mind going forward. But I definitely understand what you're saying there, Pearson. Yeah, and um, Udo here has Christian McCaffrey in our league. I mean, 
Do you see any changes for him with the new quarterback coming in, or do you think he's still going to be the same player? I think Christian McCaffrey's still going to be the true number one back. Week one, he had 19 carries, 128 yards. Week two, 16 for 37, so a little bit of a down week, but still came up with 24 and 153. I think he's an every down back. They don't give anyone else the ball except him. Yeah, I think, I don't know if you guys saw this. I thought I saw a stat somewhere that said he's the only offensive player or that's played every single snap so far this year, or was it? Wow. The only running back, maybe? I, I couldn't remember exactly, but I think it says he's played 100% of his team's offensive snaps. He's on the field every play they have the ball. So, yeah, I mean, he's a workhorse, and he doesn't look like he gets tired. I mean, runs hard and can do everything. And I think with this like showing that Kyle Allen had with 261 yards and four touchdowns, I think that allows them to sit Cam Newton for as long as they can for him to heal. Yeah, I could I could see them being careful with him as long as Allen stays consistent. I don't want to forecast anything, especially when it comes to a player's health, but who knows, we could have a Dak Prescott, Tony Romo situation. Maybe Allen overtakes Newton for the rest of the season if the injury is that bad and if Allen continues to perform like he did here in week three yeah hard to set a guy who's playing well so we'll have to see how that goes moving forward yeah i can see that so in other news this weekend we saw two career games from two wide receiver ones mike evans 45 points on the day keenan allen 43.6 points on the game what do you guys think you do here moving forward as a keenan allen mike evans owner are you taking it in are you loving it or are you selling high? Pearson, I know you're a big fan of selling high. That's kind of one of your go-tos. We covered that a lot last season in bottom line. What do Mike Evans, Keenan Allen owners expect going forward, and what should they do? I don't think there's a better sell high than Mike Evans right now. If I had Mike Evans on my team, I would get rid of that guy as fast as I could. I mean, the first two weeks combined, he had six catches for 89 yards and no touchdowns. That's that's on your bench player, you know, and Jameis Winston's been shaky over the years. He has other weapons, and Mike Evans, I, I just don't trust him. I mean, he had a huge game. You can't deny that, but if it's me and my style of fantasy, I trade him as fast as I can. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Mike Evans had one good week, and Jameis Winston hasn't really lucked himself lately. I think if you have Keenan Allen, though, I think you keep him. He's been very consistent. Last week, he had 13 for 183 and two touchdowns. I think if you get a solid deal, you sell. But I think if you can ride it, you just take him the rest of the season. Yeah, I like Keenan Allen as a stay on your team. I mean, he in the first two games combined, he had over he had 16 catches, 221 yards. I mean, he's been he's been playing well all year. There's no reason to get rid of him. I wouldn't think. Yeah, he's 29 receptions through three games. He's kind of on an Adam Thielen like tear from what Thielen did about a year ago, 404 yards. And let's face it, I don't think Phil Rivers has many other options in the pass game outside of maybe a Mike Williams here and there and Austin Eckler out of the backfield. But I think he's going to continue to feed Keenan Allen. But I also agree with you, gentlemen. I might be trying to possibly sell Mike Evans. Yeah, he had the big game, but Chris Godwin, I think, is the real deal. So I guess we'll see how that plays out down the road. Yeah, I agree. So, last question. I'll get you boys out of here. What about this Pittsburgh Steelers team? It was the first week under Mason Rudolph. 
It was a very disappointing loss for all of us Lurs fans out here. James Conner could have sealed the game with a first down, ends up fumbling. Do you like Connor going into week four as much as I do? I have him as my start of the week, actually, because he's going up against a Bengals defense that has allowed over 170 rushing yards per game. Or are you selling Connor while there's still a little bit of value left? And I guess that translates to the other players of note here in Pittsburgh as well. First, I'll start this one off with a little uh, sob story. Um, I've been in a sports gambling recently. I don't know if you've had anybody else on the podcast that places any sports bets. And uh, I, I placed what's called a parlay. So I choose uh, I chose three or four games. I can't remember exactly. I bet $50 and I needed all of them to happen. And so the first three I picked happened. I needed the Steelers to win and I would win. I think it was over $1,500. James Conner blew it right at the end. And I mean, as a Steelers fan, it hurt to see them lose and it hurt even more to know that <laughs> the money wasn't there. So I uh, I had a little hatred for James Conner, but I, c- I can't forget how, how well he played last year. And, I mean, I think he'll turn it around. Do you see any value in the, the pass catchers, Yuta? You you selling Juju Smith-Schuster? You liking him with Rudolph? What do you think? If I'm a Steelers owner, I, I'm i keeping Juju. I'm keeping James. Because right now there's really no value. The Steelers are 0-3. I mean, Mason Rudolph is a new QB. They're still trying to learn the system there. I think you hold on, hope for them to gain some value, and then trade them. You own James Conner, don't you, Seth? Yeah, I do. In a so couple what leagues. Do you, yeah, what are, you, uh, what are you thinking about him? Do you see them? I, I personally, I've seen Benny Snell go in the game a few times, and he's seen. I think he had one big carry for over 20 yards in mm-hmm. the one attempt. So do you see, uh, you, you scared at all, or are you just holding on to Conner and waiting for him to get back to himself? Connor's snap share has actually gone up every week this season. I don't think the fumble's a concern for me, especially with a guy like James Connor who's been so through so much adversity. I think he's just going to use it as motivation. And to be honest with you, gentlemen, I was really high on Jalen Samuels coming into the season. He's a guy I was actually drafting, I don't want to say high in drafts, but somewhere between the 10th and 12th round because I thought he could actually have some flex value moving forward if they used him in the creative situations that I was seeing in training camp. But with Big Ben gone, Jalen Samuels, Benny Snells, any relevancy of them I think goes out the window. I think they're yeah. they're not just going to give the rock to Connor every single down and get him hurt because we know how that goes. But I'm not afraid of Jalen Samuels. I'm not afraid of Benny Snell. They don't seem like they're committed to using them in some unique way like they were earlier in the season. So, yeah, I, I'm holding on to Connor because, like you said, I think he's going to have a big game here in week four against an awful Bengals rush defense. And at least after this week, you can hopefully get more value out of him if that's what you're looking for. Yes, I agree. And I don't believe in other than Juju and James Conner. I don't I don't have anyone else on their offense uh, as a factor in fantasy as of right now. I mean, Rudolph, he, he got his yards on two big plays. Other than that, he's sort of just sort of just a game manager. He doesn't seem like he's going to make mistakes, but he doesn't seem like he's going to make uh, a lot of plays for you. Do fit the ball into any tight windows. He's just kind of he's out there playing it safe, you know? Yeah, 100 percent agree. Any love, any love towards his old college teammate, James Washington? We've brought him up on the show a lot. Any love towards him or the rookie, Deontay Johnson, who had a nice catch in the end zone this weekend? If you're in a deeper league, I would pick them up. But if you are in a 10-12, I'd say you can probably cut them. 
Yeah, it's it's tough. I'd say for me the the biggest uh biggest interest I have in a Steelers player right now, other than obviously Juju and James, is the Steelers defense. I mean, they were forcing turnovers like crazy last week. They seem like they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. They got the new player, Minka Fitzpatrick, and if the offense can figure it out and hold the ball a little longer, get some first downs, I mean, that defense can have some huge games. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a great point there as well, Pearson. I think, though, in order to get that offense going and to keep the ball away from the opposing offense, which they've done so poorly so far this season, it seems like just about every drive is a three and out or a four and out, something yeah. of that matter. So I definitely agree with you on that one. Yeah, I think the defense had – I. I I want to say five turnovers, maybe. Yeah. Yep. Five turnovers. And I mean, to have five, force five turnovers and lose a game is, it's demoralizing for a defense. But I mean, it shows, shows they're hungry. It doesn't matter. They're only three. That that defense is going to come to play. So, I mean, if the offense can figure it out, I think the Steelers' defense is starting to look like the old defense of the past. So. And I think with the addition of Minka Fitzpatrick, I think it makes the Steelers' defense a lot better than what it was. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, do you have any last words for our listeners today? I'm going to go out by saying I hope you guys don't forget to uh, sell high and buy low. I mean, you're not going to win a fantasy title not making any trades. So trade your players, make the right moves, and you might see yourself in the championship. Follow me on Instagram, Chris underscore Udo. You heard the gentleman. Sell high, buy low, and follow Udo on Instagram at Chris underscore Udo, spell U-D-O. Thank you, gentlemen. Stick around after the break. We're going to have some Start Sitting Seth waiting for you. Stay with us. This week's edition of Start Sitting Seth is brought to you by IUP Co-op Store. The Co-op Store is new and improved this semester. They have a great large selection of IUP merchandise from coffee mugs to bow ties. The IUP Co-op Store has got you covered and the selection got even bigger this summer when they partnered with Nike. Show your IUP pride with your new apparel and get your hawk on at the IUP Co-op Store. Start, sit, and set. Woo! What a day. Got to start, sit, and set coming at you. This one, volume five on the season. Start, sit, and taking chances. So in this column, we talk about how this is the time of year. We already kind of discussed it earlier with Udo and Pearson a little bit, that this is the time that you want to be taking some chances, taking some swings in your fantasy football league. Buying low, selling high, and everything in between becomes a pivotal part of your quest to win a championship. Also, with that every chance, there's also a certain degree of risk. However, considering the ballsiest thing I've done in the last month is trade Miles Sanders for Baker Mayfield and Sony Michelle, I don't think I'm the best candidate to tell you what taking chances means. So, in this column, I take you to Los Angeles, California, where we meet two bright-eyed individuals from Pennsylvania former Penn alumni, former IUP journalism alumni as well. We meet the free-spirited Nate Miller. He's a 24-year-old musician. You guys have heard his name a couple times on this show so far. He's the guy who makes all the music for us. Shout out to him. We talk about his journey out there a little bit. We also talk about another good friend of the show, Casey Kelly. She's a 23-year-old freelance copywriter and editor from York, PA. 
She is out there in LA. She's also a former pen editor and a former IUP journalism alumni. So in this column, I just talk about their experiences of moving from Pennsylvania out to LA there. Let's start with Casey. She decided to follow out her best friend, Mary Romeo. Mary's chasing her dream of being a stand-up comedian. She was working remotely at the time for WebFX, and she decided to move out there. And her biggest thing was, whatever happens, happens. It'll be an adventure either way. So a few months after deciding that they wanted to move out there, they did it. They made the five-day, 50-hour drive out across the country, and they haven't looked back since. While Casey told me she misses her friends and her family, she's continuing to put her best foot forward. In addition to her now self-employed freelance work, Casey is continuing to say yes to everything that comes her way. Recently here, in September, Casey helped organize an event in Beverly Hills for the Farrah Fawcett Foundation and raised over $600,000 for the nonprofit. Way to go, Casey. You rock. And also, I know Nate for a couple years now, uh, back when we were delivering pizzas together at Tom's Pizza. Nate's kind of, he's, he's one of those guys. He's one of the most laid back, down to earth guys I've ever met. And he decided in December after he graduated from IEP that him and his buddy Matt Rust were going to load up the Dodge Avenger and go on this wild month long road trip to, as Nate calls it, the other side. From chilling in a cabin in Atlanta to almost getting hit by a tornado in the Texas desert, to gain altitude sickness in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Nate and Matt faced it all head on. Nate's story, if you ever get the chance to come across Nate, definitely ask him about his travel across country. It could be a whole other column in itself. But after about a month out there, amongst all the pretentious D-bags, as Nate calls them, he met a major producer who actually wanted him to record a baseline for an upcoming EP he was doing. So Nate finally knew after that that you know the chance he took finally paid off. And the best things I think Nate said to me in this interview was, even if you fail miserably, there's no real failure. The value is in the journey and not at the end. And I think that's an awesome way to live, not just in fantasy football, but life in general. Nate, now under the new artist name of Ism, if you've heard the show at all, you've heard his music, all the time on here. We thank him for that. Nate recently released a new single, The Other Side. You can check that out on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you stream your music. And in addition to his own music, Nate is now playing bass on Sam Wilder's upcoming EP, Homebound. Check that out. That's going to hit streaming platforms here soon. So when it comes to fantasy football, folks, I hope you take a page out of Nate and Casey's book here. You can check that for call them out on the pen.org if you feel up to it. Uh, but yeah, don't be afraid to take a page out of their book here. Take chances, face it head on, and let whatever's going to happen, happen. I think sometimes we just get too preoccupied in the end game, but it's really the journey, and that's what Nate's saying to us here, as well as Casey. And I think the same is for fantasy football. This is one of those weeks you have to get out there, you have to make some trades. You can't be afraid to make a couple ballsy moves on the waiver wire the only time I feel any regret at the end of the season is when I don't do enough, is when I'm not ballsy enough to make those trades that I need to, when I'm not active enough on the waiver wires. Burnt me in so many leagues in the past couple years, and this year I just went in with the mindset, I'm going to be aggressive. If I have some people I drop that 
you know, I regret or people I trade. It is what it is. You know, you, you got to swing. You got to make moves to win championships here in fantasy football. So with all that being said, here's some moves I would suggest you work on this week. A quarterback I would start this week. He's a bad man. Whoa, this brother's on another level. I'm just trying to tell you something. Daniel Jones of the New York Giants. Manuel Jones, Danny Dimes, whatever you want to call him. He put on quite the show here in week three. 26 for 40 pass attempts, 53 yards, two touchdowns, and two TDs with his legs. We touched on it earlier with Pearson and Udo. We know the Giants are going to have an improved offense coming up here. This matchup is so enticing for Daniel Jones owners to play him. He's facing a Redskins defense that has allowed the fifth most fantasy points and a 122.20 rating to opposing quarterbacks. That's one of the highest in the leagues. Now, with all pro running backs, Saquon Barkley out for a little bit. I think the odds are in Daniel Jones's favor to have a great week. I think if you have him, unless you have one of those top three options, the Patrick Mahomes, the Lamar Jacksons, the Deshaun Watsons of the week, maybe a Phillip Rivers at Miami, I think you got to start Daniel Jones here. It's going to be a fun ride on Sunday for that one. On the opposite side of the spectrum, a quarterback I'd sit this week. I'm just sitting out here watching airplanes. Jameis Winston for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, saying I'd bench Jameis Winston kind of feels like I'm putting my childhood iPod on replay. It's unimpressive. It's repetitive. Kind of through with it, but I feel like I have to say it here because Jameis Winston has been started in way too many leagues these last couple weeks. Yeah, he had a good week three here, but he's going up against Aaron Donald, Dante Fowler, and a Rams defense that is allowing the third least fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. And I'm sorry, but I think it needs to be heard, and I think it needs to be done. You need to drop Jameis Winston, at least for this week. I don't think there's any point stashing him. I think there are better options out there on the wire. Uh, like I said, Daniel Jones, Matthew Stafford, I think it gets a lot better out there than Jameis Winston. A running back I'd start this week. I used to play running back. Listeners, I know you've heard this again and again this year, but I am starting James Conner running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is his second appearance on this list so far this season. And while his last appearance on the list did not result in some overwhelming output, only 10.5 fantasy points in week one, for me it's a put up or shut up week for both James Conner and myself. Yes, the Cincinnati Bengals, his opponent, have allowed over 28 points per game to opposing running backs. They are by far letting up the most rushing yards for any defense this season. But I think this start is more about my faith in Connor's talent and his toughness and his ability to get it done. He lost a fumble in the fourth quarter last week, which led the Pittsburgh Steelers going 0-3 for the first time since 2013. I think it's a gut check game. I think he's going to buck up. I'm starting James Conner if you have him after this week. If you want to get rid of him, if you want to move on, put him on your bench. I totally get it. But I think he's in store for a bounce back week, if any, against a bad Bengals run defense. A running back I'd sit this week. I'm just sitting out here watching airplanes. Uh, Poor Kenyon Drake. He's been on my list so many times in the last couple years as a sit. 
I did not like him coming into this season. I did not like him coming into last season. But it's not because of the Alabama product's ability to run the ball, catch the ball, and his overall talent. It's just because he's playing for the Dolphins, and they have no ability or desire to use that talent. Drake, he only has 23 rushes on the season. Uh, he's clearly outperformed Kalen Balaj when it comes to efficiency. Drake has 3.1 yards per carry. Balaj has 1.3 yards per carry. So it's not even close here, but they continue to give Kalen Balaj some work more than he should. However, with all this being said, again, I do think Drake is still an interesting buy low candidate for me moving forward. I've seen in a lot of leagues, uh, he's being shipped around out there, and that's because there are still some trade rumors that the Dolphins are trying to shop him. I do buy into these rumors a little bit, but how long are you willing to wait on these rumors? It's been a couple weeks now. We talked about it on last week's show as well. And it's also the factor, how much are you willing to pay for a guy who, if he doesn't get traded, he's on the Miami Dolphins for the rest of the season. So, Kenyon Drake, I'm sorry, man. Got a lot of love for the talent, but unfortunately the situation, the opportunity is not there. And in fantasy football, a lot of the time that does outweigh the talent. So, he is on my bench this week. Let's talk about some wide receivers. My wide receiver start of the week, Terry McLaurin. Scary Terry, that's what they're calling him here in Washington. Whatever you want to call him, Scary Terry, Monster McLaurin, I don't care. This guy is the real deal. He could be the best rookie wide receiver we've seen so far this season. The former Buckeye is already averaging 20.1 fantasy points per game after hauling in 16 receptions for 257 yards and 3 TDs in the first 3 weeks of the season. He's wide receiver 9 on the season. He's going up against a horrific Giants pass defense. Probably going to be lining up against Janoris Jenkins, who just got burned in week three by Mike Evans for 40-plus fantasy points in a game where I think they have to throw to keep up with the newly started Daniel Jones. I love me some Terry McLaurin here in week four. A wide receiver I would sit this week. I'm just sitting out here watching airplanes. Not a guy we've talked about really too much other than following his big week one performance that's John Ross the third in Cincinnati John Ross's breakout season stalled a little bit last week when they played a tough Buffalo secondary he was held only 2.2 fantasy points stemming from two receptions for 22 yards and a little fumble roski I do not see Ross getting things going here in week four against an improved Pittsburgh defense that held all San Francisco wide receivers to below 45 receiving yards apiece last Sunday during their game. Minka Fitzpatrick, I think, is the real deal. And I think if a Bengals receiver goes off this week, I think it's Tyler Boyd working against Mike Hilton this week. Hilton has kind of been one of those guys, you love him when he comes off the blitz. He gets a lot of QB sacks, but he also kind of gets burned a little bit from those slot guys. We've seen it time and time again. So I am benching John Ross this week. I am firing up Tyler Boyd with all the confidence in the world. Got a little two-for-one action there out of me there at the end. A little two starts. A little two starts for you. So we'll be right back with In the Scope to round out the show. Stay with us. In the Scope is presented to you by Oakland Hall Rentals. 
Are you searching for off-campus housing that is affordable and just around the corner from IUP? If so, then look no further. Oakland Hall is the place for off-campus housing with prices as low as $2,500 a semester for a studio-styled room with a two-semester lease. It's located right next to the tennis courts, and it's just a short walk from campus, the beer distributor, Venice Pizza, what else do you need? To schedule your tour today with Oakland Rentals, call 724-717-6168. Again, that's Oakland Hall Rentals at 724-717-6168. In the scope. Again, all this content is coming from my column, In the Scope, that can be found at DynastyFootballFactory.com where myself, surrounded by a large group, about 80 of us, writers, editors, producers, podcasters, we have a large variety of content for you in a bunch of different formats. If you like Devi, if you like DFS, if you like IDP, Redraft, Dynasty, whatever you got, we got you covered at Dynasty Football Factory. So make sure you check us out on there. And again, a little refresher of what In The Scope is. This isn't just a waiver wire column. I'm not going to tell you who, who you need to pick up on Tuesday. It wouldn't make much sense with this podcast coming out a little later in the week. But these guys are going to be some guys still laying around on your free agency, most likely, especially in a little shallow of a league, a 10-12 team league. These are guys you can grab that, you know, you can stash them on your bench. And while they may not be the most sought-after waiver wire targets right now, Next week, they might be. We've hit on a couple already this season. It's been a fun ride, so hopefully we get a couple more hits this week. I want to start in Houston with wide receiver Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills is 20.6% owned in ESPN PPR leagues right now. Will all the Kiki Cutie truthers please stand up? May I have your attention, please? May I have your attention, please? Will the real Slim Shady please stand up? I repeat, will the real Slim Shady please stand up? Yeah, I'm standing. I thought Kiki Cootie coming into this season was going to be a stud. He was one of my really nice sleepers I liked. But that was before he had a little bit of a setback with an injury. And that was before the Kenny Still trade. Kenny Stills coming from Miami. He's had a great role in the offense thus far. He's had a 30-yard reception in each of his games so far this season. He's actually kind of challenging Will Fuller for Deshaun Watson's go-to deep threat, it seems like, right now. And he was targeted six times in Week 3. I think there's a very good chance that Kenny Stills could be a guy who, by weeks are coming up, some injuries are happening. Kenny Stills is a guy who could be a very serviceable wide receiver three moving forward, but I guess we'll see. Another target I have in the scope this week, Tony Pollard, running back Dallas Cowboys. Sure, I got you. Most of Pollard's 27.7 PPR points on the season. They, they've come in garbage time, victories, but hey, they still count. Carries are carries in this league. And with running back being such a shallow position already, Pollard's averaging 10 carries a game over a reception a game. And he could still hold some value, especially in a Kellen Moore offense that seems to really be sweeping the league by storm. It's been an exciting year there in Dallas. And I don't think they're just going to want to run Zeke right into the ground. I think they want to preserve him a little bit for the postseason since they have such big aspirations this year in Dallas. But even if he just becomes some eventual trade bait to Ezekiel Elliott owners 
Uh, or, you know, maybe he does have some RB4 type value moving forward, kind of in that Malcolm Brown type role there in Dallas as well. But if you're low on some RB depth, Tony Pollard is a great add. He's owned in 19.0% of leagues. Keep an eye out for Tony Pollard. I'm going to talk about here a running back for the Atlanta Falcons that unless you were really into college football last season, you might not know about this guy. His name is Quadri Olison. He's owned in only 0.3% of leagues. So last week, Ito Smith went down with the injury, and it was kind of Devontae Freeman's backfield after that. That's because they didn't have any more backs ready to go after that, to be honest. Brian Hill was inactive. He's a guy people have been talking about. Chris talked about him earlier in the season as well on this show. But if I had to pick an Atlanta Falcon running back other than Devontae Freeman that I'm rostering moving forward, it's Quadri Olsen. He had a pretty productive career, a pretty good season last year at Pitt. He was a fifth-round rookie, so they spent some draft capital on him. And I think if you're looking for a guy, a potential flyer, who has some upside here in the upcoming weeks, I think Olsen could be that guy. I mean, Freeman has struggled this season with run efficiency. He's only averaging 3.7 yards per rush. That's the lowest in his career. He was banged up last season. Atlanta's running the ball less than usual. Uh, It's down a little bit as far as their percentage running the ball. But I still think if you want a guy maybe can go out and catch a couple passes, that's Quadri Olsen. Check him out if you're in some deep leagues, got a bench spot to add. Make sure he's active this week. But if he is, I'm all in on Quadri Olsen this week for the Atlanta Falcons. My sole quarterback I have in the scope this week is Jacoby Brissett. QB for the Indianapolis Colts. I talked about this in my very first podcast of the season. I was really high on these Colts players coming into the season before Andrew Luck's retirement. But, you know, I said we could revisit this week eight, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts were six and two. I also said I wouldn't be surprised if they were four and four and struggling a little bit. He's behind one of the best offensive line and really so far in 2019 after relieving the retired luck, it's been nothing short of sensational. So Brissett has come out this season. He has set a career high 71.7% of passes are being completed. That's good enough for QB 15 on the season. He's got seven touchdowns, 646 yards. They let him air it out last week. He got over 300 yards for the first time on the season. And while he only has 38 rushing yards on the season, I think that's going to increase. I think that's a little down of a number. I think he's a little more of a mobile quarterback than what people will believe. He does have 4.3 rushes per game. And again, he's behind a good offensive line. So that is by design a little bit more than just trying to scramble out of that. Uh, He's facing Oakland this week. He's got Kansas City on the horizon there in week five. Both of these are bottom half passing defenses, and I think he's going to be down against Kansas City next week. I think this week in Oakland, he's going to have to air it out a little bit. So I think he's an interesting streaming candidate, and who knows, in a position that is already kind of a little more depleted than we've been used to in the last couple of years, uh, we've already lost about you know five, six starting quarterbacks so far this season. Jacoby Brissett, take a look. Take a look at Brissett there. So my final in-the-scope candidate, of week four, Ty Johnson, the rookie running back for the Detroit Lions. Ty Johnson is 2.8% owned currently. Hey, and I get it. It's like big pie in the face to me, uh, big knock in the chest, whatever you want to say. I was completely wrong there before week one. I, I did a little in the scope. 
uh, CJ Anderson. I thought he might have a nice role in this Detroit backfield. However, like CJ Anderson has done so many times in his career, he has been cut by the Lions a couple weeks ago. And with CJ Anderson's departure there, it kind of just leaves Carryon Johnson and little Ty Johnson, the rookie six-round pick from Maryland, out there in the backfield. They're not going to give this backfield solely to Carryon Johnson. We've seen it so far. That's kind of what they're sh- they showed last season as well. And Johnson even went down last season after less than 150 carries. I think Ty Johnson is a good volume stash. Uh, he could have some value here as we head into some bye weeks. Johnson is actually averaging 4.5 yards per carry even after a less than impressive week last week. But I think the Lions are a little better of a team than people thought coming into the season. I know I did. I didn't really have too many Lions on my rosters coming into it because I wasn't too high on him. But he's the number two back in a run in a team that wants to run the ball a little bit, wants to get their running backs involved in the passing game. So the Lions are heading back to Detroit in week four for a game where they probably are going to be trailing against Kansas City. I think this opens up more pass catching opportunities to the entire Detroit backfield. Again, guys, there isn't a lot of RB depth out there on the wire. I think these guys like Ty Johnson, Tony Pollard, Quadri Olsen, while they're not super sexy names right now, I think they could develop into some value here, maybe as early as next week. I guess we'll see though. We're going to wait and see on them as always. But if you have an extra bench spot and you're just looking for a guy with a little bit of upside, a flyer if you would, check out these in the scope candidates. Again, you can find that on Dynasty Football Factory along with some other great content. And that's it for us today on the In Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with us again. You can find myself as well as some other really talented writers, editors, podcasters, and so much more at thepen.org. Make sure you check that out. Thank you so much for sticking around with us. We'll be back next week for another episode. Mm -hmm.